Jesus, we set our attention on you this morning. God, let your name be high and lifted up. Come on, let's sing this together. He's worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of every praise we could ever
through the triumphs and the trials of life. He's there with us through everything. Come on, let's declare this together today.
God, this, this morning, over every circumstance, over every situation that we're facing in our lives, we just declare that you're a miracle working God, that there's nothing too hard for you, there's nothing too big for you, Father God. So this morning, we just come and we lay ourselves on the altar, Father God. We don't bring you our things this morning. We don't bring you the things of this world, the things of this world that will ultimately pass away. We bring you ourselves, God. We lay ourselves on the altar this morning, Father God. And we say, take us and have us and do whatever you want, Father God. But we just exalt your name this morning. We come to you with humble hearts, Father God, recognizing our desperate need for you to be our all-sufficient King. Without you, we're absolutely nothing. <laughs> we're just dirt and water. But with you, we have everything we need. So Father, that's the position that we take this morning. We ask that you will continue, Lord Jesus, just to move in this service. You are here. You are here. You are here. And everybody said. I said, and everybody said. Come on, and everybody said. I know you might have had a hard week. You may have carried a lot of burdens in, into this place. But right now I'm telling you where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's liberty. You can cast your cares on him this morning. So I said, and everybody said, come on, one more time, and everybody said, amen. There's nothing like having the opportunity to freely worship God. There's people all over the earth who are sacrificing so much to be able to worship God this morning. And so as we move forward, there's a lot of beautiful people around you. Take a moment or two just to greet them as we continue to go forward. Good morning, everyone. What a great start to the worship experience here at 1045. God is in this place. I know you're experiencing him, and we are glad you're here. If this is one of your first times to attend the assembly, we'd love to get a little information from you to give you some great information about our church. If you look at the seat back in front of you, there's a connect card. And in these next few moments as we go through our worship guide, if you just want to fill out that card, place it in the offering as the offering buckets are passed here in a moment. It'll give us an opportunity to get some of that information to you. If you've been coming for a few weeks or maybe a few months and you're ready to get plugged in, you want to know what's the next step? How do I get to know more about the church, the vision, how I can serve on a dream team? We have a class just for you. It's called Growth Track, and it's starting next Sunday at 9 o'clock. You can get the information 
In the worship guide, you can get the information online at theassembly.org. We'd love the opportunity to have you come and begin with 101 next week. Start with Church 101 next week. You can take these in any order. We offer this class every month, but our goal is to give you as much great information as we can to move you forward on your spiritual journey so that we can all grow forward in Christ. We received a worship guide as we came in. We've got some great information in there that has upcoming events, but we have some that didn't fit in the bulletin even. Tonight we have an opportunity for young adults to have a giant pool party. I know they have been looking forward to that. I hear you over here all throughout the building. If you want to know more about our young adults and all the activities and events they have going on, this is a great opener to go to tonight. Eight o'clock over at 61st and Memorial area there. You can get information there on the slide or online as well. Uh, Coming into Wednesday, we have uh, a break in the semesters. We're we're getting everybody back into school, and we love to have a party around here. So we're going to transform this outside area into a family fun night. We've got a kickoff with our elementary and preschool and their parents. We're going to provide pizza starting at 630. We've got snow cones. We've got inflatables. We've got the whole thing out there. You're going to want to be a part of that. You want to bring your kids, bring your grandkids, and make a night of it. 630 to about 8, 815 we'll be going. And then the impact students. Can I hear you impact? There you are down there. Hey, we're having Color Wars 2.0, 2.0. They're going to have 200 pounds of colored powder that they're going to go at, and they're all going to wear white T-shirts, and it's going to be a fun thing to see out there on the front lawn as they do that. We had a little test on Wednesday night where we had the announcer kind of play with some of that powder, and that powder was everywhere up here. I had to mop it a second time yesterday just to clean this stage off. Hey, but we're going to have fun on Color Wars 2.0. Wednesday's a big night. Make sure you bring out your friends. I know the Impact students have invite cards. There's all kinds of great things coming up in all of these ministries of the church as we go forward. As you look at your bulletin though, you'll see a few weeks out, a week, uh, two weeks from Monday, we are going to start a series of classes. Some are classes that we have usually, like Living Free, but there's a new curriculum that they're starting. And then we also are starting Divorce Care and Grief Share. Uh, We are trying to give next steps in every area of your life. So if there's something going on in your life where one of these is targeted to helping you take that next step to wholeness and growth in your life, I just encourage you to get information. Just ask us about some information about that and how you can take a next step in one of those great electives we offer on Monday night. Well, we are uh, just in a wonderful season of ministry. I want to invite the ushers forward. We're so grateful for your faithful giving. It's through your giving that we can fulfill the mission that God has placed on this church to serve our neighbors and nations. I have one last announcement. Our women's conference is coming up, and this is the last Sunday to get the early bird special. So there are tables in all three lobbies today. Before you leave today, make sure you sign up, get your ticket, and sign up for that uh, event that's coming up in just a few weeks. It's a women's conference. And men, I have a great opportunity for you. These wives are always doing things, taking care of the kids. We have an opportunity to step up in a big way, and I know we're gonna do this. We have a men's dream team that night where we're gonna take care of the kids so all the women can be in here. So if you wanna sign up, I know you're excited about this. If you wanna sign up, go to theassembly.org slash events. There is a men's dream team tab, and let's sign up. Let's take care of all the nursery and preschool over Friday and Saturday so every woman in the church can have an opportunity to be in here and hear from our special speaker and just hear what God is speaking to the women of our church. Well, I am so excited that you're here. We're just gonna continue in worship and our giving. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity today to continue in worship by giving a portion of what you've given us back to you, God. I thank you you're multiplying this for your kingdom effectiveness today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen.
You know, I don't know when uh, you're on a vacation that you might uh, take in another church. I know I love to do that just to, to worship and you know, go into a place where you don't have a sense of responsibility. And it's just different. I, I can worship while I'm on task here at the church, but it, there is something unique about worshiping and you're not responsible for anything that's happening. And anytime I'm at another church, a couple of things happen. One, I learn things that we could do differently or better. Or two, and this always happens, I leave with such a deep gratitude for the amazing giftedness that God has given us here at the assembly to minister at such a level. And so I say that to look at this team and to all of our dream teamers today that are making this day happen. Do you know... Uh, we're now having 48 between uh, the nursery and age two. Like, can you imagine being on the dream team that has 48 two-year-olds today? And, and so we're in here enjoying this incredible atmosphere. And there are all of these people that have our children in very effective ministry in facilities that are, are built and designed for them. You were hosted from the time you drove on the lot coming in the doors. I met some new people that are here today and they're talking about how friendly they have found the church. And so it takes so many people and I just want to say thank you to all of the dream teamers that make Sunday and all the ministries happen. Wow. My heart is so full. I look out and I see Garrett Jenkins. Garrett, would you stand and Callie, he's right back here. And just a few weeks ago, this young man had a severe asthma attack. And uh, normally they go by the doctor that day. They went to the ER and they, as a matter of fact, Callie just drops him off and he gets a procedure done and then he's on his way. Callie didn't get far from the hospital that day. They called her and says, there's an emergency. You need to come back. Uh, one of Garrett's lungs collapsed, the other literally blew out. He quit breathing, he couldn't breathe. The nurse attending him said he literally turned blue. They lost him. They were able to get him back. They transferred him ultimately downtown to St. Francis and when they were leaving the first hospital, the doctor looked and said, I, I hear you guys praying and anyone else that you know that prays, you need to call them. He also said that if he comes through this, he could be in the hospital for one to two months and not sure about how things will be going forward. And there stands Garrett as a testimony and a healing of what Jesus can do. Come on, everybody. That's what God can do. It's a miracle. It, that's a miracle standing there. Praise God. Come on, let's give God a praise. That is a miracle standing in front of you today. Thank you, Jesus. Garrett, as we prayed for you, I just not only praise God for you, but sitting beside you is your wife, Callie, and I watched a praying wife. And Callie, I have the utmost respect for your faith and your perseverance and your sense of holding to God. Many of you had followed the story of the Cravalos. Jed is sitting right over here with his wife, and he went into a situation, had a stroke, 
medical treatment ended up creating a second stroke and he was in a desperate situation for 30 days God brought him through when they were going through the situation and things were touch and go Jed and Chelsea went up to the hospital and sat with Callie and prayed and poured in to her and prayed for Garrett and I love the body of Christ it's an unstoppable force come on the Lord is building his church God is doing a work you know I just maybe you are in a really difficult place man Brian he was spot on when he was talking about the miracle working power of God miracles can happen now they are happening if you've ever wondered you're sitting right by two miracles Jed would you stand this is Jed, a young man. He is a miracle of God's healing power. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you for taking your struggle and going and ministering out of that to other people. You, you ministered in a way that no one else could. And I'm, I'm thankful that you did that. But we just celebrate with you, Garrett and Callie and your whole family, all of you. I love you guys so much incredibly special to me and to all of us I'm about to give you a message that is kind of a part one part two is coming on Wednesday night to all these amazing students and everyone they're bringing I love our student ministry I love these students that's what I love the most I love you guys and uh, the message I'm about to preach uh, I hope that it'll minister to you today but just kind of put something in you about the importance of this Wednesday like invite everyone but bring someone. Invite everyone but bring someone. We're going to have an awesome time. I want to tell you that as we go forward, we're adding team members. We have had some transition with our team and we're excited about where we're headed. And so we, we need someone who can give direction and expertise and work really hard at all the public relations that's happening within Summit and Small World and also use an expertise to oversee what I would call the community life of the church. It's a value. You see it in the New Testament church. We've got to be connected. We can't just be a crowd. And so I'm welcoming back to our staff the, the, the man that God wants and the family that God wants. I want him to stand. This is Pastor David Laramie, and we welcome you back to the team. Let me ask Lynette and the girls to stand. This is the Laramie family, and we welcome them back. Great to have you. Such, a, such an exciting thing, the way this has transpired. You're going to soon be getting a catalog of everything that happens to form connection, discipleship and connection. And there's so many groups, groups that meet in homes, groups that meet here on site, and the amount of coordination for curriculum and teachers and settings and schedule. It's, it's a monumental task. And I really pray, Lord, who can coordinate this? someone with the heart for discipleship and then they also have such a love for people and you put those two together that's the combinational power I was looking for and as I prayed Kelly and I really sought the Lord and it was obvious who was to take this on and so I'm excited for you to know you already know her but this is our newest community life coordinator Nicole would you stand Nicole is joining our staff she's amazing we love her so much. She's going to be doing all the social media for the assembly and helping us connect what's happening within church life. 
with ways and platforms to get the word out. So welcome. You guys are right on point and on time. Let's pray and get to the message. Jesus, speak to our hearts today. This is a strong word, Lord, and I pray that it finds us with such relevance and power. Holy Spirit, you are the one who makes the difference. You are the change agent. Be that strong voice behind my voice today until someone uh, thinks they're the only one in the room. Not a sermon to a big crowd, but like a conversation that you're having with the men and women in this room because you love them so much. And you have such high hopes for them as they move forward. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Starting place is Hebrews 12. And I want to give you this in the message paraphrase. And then we're going to Genesis to get the full story. I'll be reading that from the New Living Translation. So here's what Hebrews says. Watch out for the Esau syndrome. Trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. You well know how Esau later regretted that impulsive act and wanted God's blessings. Esau was a twin to Jacob. Esau was the firstborn. Esau, as a result of being the firstborn, was given the birthright, which meant he was always going to have uh, the most love, the most influence, and the most money. That's the way it happened in ancient times. So if you're the firstborn and you wish you would get all the money and all the influence and all the power, it probably isn't going to happen that way. And your parents love you and your brother and your sister all the same. I have three kids, two sons and a daughter, and I absolutely love my daughter more than the boys. But God will set me free, so I love them all equal. No, I love each one of them the same. Laugh, you're like, oh, we got to pray for him, and he's a pastor. So, no, I, I promise you I love them the same. I just love her more than the same. And so watch out for the Esau syndrome. Today, here's my sermon, the Esau syndrome. What is it? It's trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. What's a birthright to you and me? Then it was about status and money and land The rights were like a double portion fell to the firstborn. Whatever would be normal for everyone else, it was exaggerated and multiplied for the firstborn. It was the the birthright, the birthright blessing. When you come into the New Testament and, and you become a follower of Jesus, that birthright would be defined in these ways. It's your identity, it's your dignity, and it is your destiny. You realize who you are in Jesus. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. And you walk in the fact that he took your place and you have become righteous because of him. And you're not defined by what you've done or what someone has done to you. You are defined for what Jesus Christ has done for you. Can you say amen? So it's identity. And the more you walk in this, and man, everyone in the room, you can use this to help you. But can you see how relevant this is going to be on Wednesday night? If I can somehow help some students to realize who they are in Jesus. What that can do in the decision-making process. There's then dignity. What I'm talking about is worth. 
What I'm talking about is not a cultural self-worth, but a worth that comes from knowing who you are in God. You know how much you're worth? It is defined by what someone was willing to pay to purchase you out of the slavery of sin. And God thought you were worth the death of his son. That's amazing, love. And that's power. Go ahead and clap. That is something worth celebrating that God would love us that much. So your dignity, your, your personhood, the, the way you assign value to who you are comes from him. And if we can get that communicated, how influential will that be in the decision-making process to perhaps stay out of the Esau syndrome? Then there's destiny. That sense of purpose, the work for which you were created, the work that was put in place before you were born, the work that you're going to walk into as you realize who you are in Christ, as you realize the, the value you are in the kingdom of God because of who God has created you to be and what he's created you to do, you walk in that influence. However, so many people through the seasons of life will allow a short-term appetite to so overwhelm them that they do something impulsive. And it undermines, it threatens, it dilutes, it diminishes, or it destroys identity, dignity, and destiny. Like a man who said to me not long ago, Ron, 40 minutes of an impulsive decision of following a short-term appetite, 40 minutes has cost me 40 years. Very strong. We're, at times we'll be heavy and we'll just trust the Lord to, to give us some laughter along the way so that while we're in surgery, it won't hurt so badly. But open your heart and let the seriousness of the word find you because this, this could save your life. This could save your marriage. This could save the integrity of your reputation. Genesis 25. And we see the backstory. As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman, but Jacob, his twin brother, had a quiet temperament preferring to stay at home. So different personalities. And as a parent, you know how your kids... They come from the same DNA, but their personalities can be so different, and that's what we see here. Continuing in verse 28, Isaac loved Esau. This is dad. He loved Esau because he enjoyed eating steak. That's what it's saying. Esau brought all of that home, but Rebecca, that's mom, loved Jacob. It will always dysfunction a family if you have a preference. So I was kind of making a lot of fun about my sons and my daughter. I love them. I love them dearly. I love them for who they are, how they are wired up. Here in this family, Esau had a preference, and it was, I'm sorry, Isaac had a preference. It was Esau. And mom loved Jacob. Continuing on to verse 29, one day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness exhausted and hungry. Let me park there for a moment. How do we get up, how do we get into the Esau syndrome? How does the short-term appetite work to where we would give up a long-term blessing? Because of 
feelings. Esau had been hunting and he was exhausted and he was hungry. Whenever you are in a season where it's more demanding, appetites will be exaggerated. Something will look better than it really is. It'll look so appealing that it'll start messing with your mind to where you start considering what you otherwise would have never considered. There's absolutely nothing wrong with Esau being hungry. There's nothing wrong with being tired. Those are normal feelings. Hunger is a drive. The problem is satisfying the appetite outside of the wisdom and boundaries of God. So I want you to to just capture that. If you're in a difficult time, the enemy knows that. And he knows how to craft the bowl of stew because he has a thousand ways to make the soup. In just the kind of way that would cause you to see it in a way that you've never seen it before. And often what changes the paradigm of how you see sin are the feelings that are associated with the season. Continue with me. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. This is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. So here's Esau. Look, I'm dying of starvation. How many of you think he was really dying? He wasn't dying. Do you see how an appetite can exaggerate your reality, your perception of how you're really doing? He's like, I'm down on my knees. I'm begging you, please give me some of that stew. I am dying. Emptiness, fatigue, discouragement, depression will make sin so much more attractive because we see it as immediate relief, gratification. Immediate gratification. Is how we lose a long-term blessing. And notice how this messes with his mind. This started to say, students, this is how it works for all of us. And what these students need to know today is that this never changes. When you get as old as dirt like me, I'm telling you right now, The urges and the surges and the issues and the seasons of life, they keep happening and Satan keeps on showing you the bowl of stew. It never stops. And as a church, we can't give off a personification like when you get older, all that's going on inside of you right now, it will give way to maturity. Romans 7 will always happen. So well, what is Romans 7? It's the war within between what I want to do but shouldn't do, and what I should do but I don't do. That war of Romans 7 will always be a battle we're in. But Romans 8 was given so that we could win the battle of Romans 7. We can win, and we will win. 
But man, this can mess with your mind. You get an appetite that gets exaggerated, a feeling that exaggerates your need. It will mess with your mind at the level that it did for Esau. Esau said, well, what good is my birthright? This would be, see how I could explain this. Let's say I, I say to Pastor David Laramie, Look, you, let's just imagine that he had the most amazing car and the most amazing house, and they were paid in full. Go ahead and just receive that as prophecy. But you better test that prophecy, but don't stone the prophet. Uh, this is New Testament. So let's say I come to Pastor David and say, Look, I will trade you this bottle of water for your car and your house. And I come to David at a time where he's thirsty. Maybe really thirsty. What would you think of him if he said, absolutely. And he made the deal. I get the car in the house, he gets a bottle of water. What would we, we would say, why is he on our staff? Because Are you kidding me? Because see, we're clear-minded right now. But we've all been in the Esau syndrome, haven't we? Where we traded something that was precious and amazing and worthy for something of no more value than a bowl of soup or a bottle of water. See, I can look and say, Esau, what do you mean? What good is my birthright now? What he's saying is, I, I, I love God. We can say it like this. I love you, Jesus, but I'm on fire with temptation. Where are you? Or right now, maintaining my integrity doesn't seem as important or as attractive as, as the soup. Or, I know I'm married, but, and I know that this could devastate my marriage, but this. I know I shouldn't take these drugs. I know I shouldn't go to this party. I know I shouldn't get drunk. I know, but right now. Who cares about tomorrow? I'll risk it. 40 minutes can cost you 40 years because it gets in your mind and it skews your thinking. It's the power of deception until something as meaninglessness as a bowl of soup would be important enough to give away the birthright blessing. Identity, dignity, destiny. Let's keep going. But Jacob said, first you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. What Satan will always do is try to lock you in to a horrible decision based on a temporary feeling. Esau's hungry, but that feeling would go away. But Jacob seized the moment while he was experiencing the feeling of hunger to lock him into a choice that would affect his future and his destiny. Verse 34. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil soup. 
At least he got some bread. Esau ate the meal, then got up and left, and he showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. I bet he did. The Esau syndrome. Let me put it back on the screen. What is the Esau syndrome? Look with me. This comes right from Hebrews message paraphrase. I'll let them put this up. The Esau syndrome is when you would allow a short-term appetite. A short-term appetite to be traded for God's lifelong gift. Let me put up another screen. I want to talk to you for a moment about choices. An irresistible choice. An irreversible decision. When Jacob is looking at the soup, it's irresistible. And he didn't process through that to where the feeling could subside to where he would realize he was about to make a choice that could never be reversed. The Esau syndrome is that right there where the choice looks like something you can't pass up, but you forget there will be consequences. So here's my encouragement. Next screen. Don't be manipulated by your moods. Hashtag feelings lie. Hashtag feelings won't last forever. I'm, I'm going to preach this with as much passion as I can on Wednesday night. But I want to say it here. We've got this, this logic going on in culture that says, follow your heart. I don't want to be crassy, but let me just tell you, that's stupid. Somebody needs to cut through all of this ridiculous noise and jerk us into reality and say, come on, let's get a clue. Your heart will lie to you and you'll get into something that you will regret. We, there's been songs about it all through the... How could it be so wrong when it feels so right? Because your moods will manipulate you. Yes? It feels... Oh. And, and your heart will work it out and compartmentalize it. It will work with it until you've got God and everybody else agreeing with it. That's how manipulative feelings can be. Don't you dare follow your heart. Your heart will be happy to lie to you. Any day. That's how people get in wrong relationships. That's how we have an epidemic of opioids. Who, who would go and spend all of their money on cocaine? No one. But the feelings and the moods and the seasons of life all come together until that short-term appetite is so amazing and awesome and strong that we'll give away a, a lifelong blessing in my church in Memphis I'll never forget this man coming and sitting down with me. And he says, my wife doesn't know it, but we're about to lose our house because I have gambled away 
everything. Sitting in the office, he's like, how? Why did I do it? His identity, his dignity, his destiny affected by a short-term appetite. Felt like I was going to come and save somebody's future today. You're thinking about something, you're tampering with something. And I pray the Holy Spirit is, a, is getting your attention. Let me encourage you to test your feelings. Don't obey feelings, test them. How would you test a feeling? Just, just a few things. And I didn't talk about this in the first service, so you, I had a great guy come up to me and say, you know what, you said don't obey, obey feelings, test them. How can I do that? And I didn't get into that, and I should have. So between services, I process. So let me just give you a few. First of all, the light test. If you are in a relationship or you're in communication with someone or you are doing something that you can't allow anyone to know, then that feeling is flunking the light test. If what you are doing has to remain in the dark, then you are following a short-term appetite that is going to cost you way more than you want to pay. Number two, the word test. Take the Bible. What does the Bible say about what you are doing? If you're in a relationship and you're dating and that person has no interest in God and no interest in biblical values, what would the Bible say about that? Would it say, you're an evangelistic dater? Keep it up. Light of the world. Salt of the earth. No, the Bible would say run. If you have to go to some place that's not obvious so that you can work a deal to get something to put in your body that alters your mind... What does the Bible say about that? Recently, a person said to me, hey man, smoking weed, doing drugs, it's no big deal because God gave us dominion over all the herbs of the field. I got to pray on that one for a minute and get a drink. Are you kidding me? And he's not kidding. Listen, this is how the mind works. That's finding a... A verse and twisting it to allow you to get high every day and not feel conviction. That's as ridiculous as saying, well, then snort an orange and smoke a banana. <laughs> I know that was not pre-planned. That just hit my brain. That that's crazy. That's Somebody needs to cut through the noise. My brother was a millionaire at age 30. He was influential, helped plant a church. 
that exists to this day in Frisco, Texas. But life got very difficult. And he opened up his life to cocaine that moved to crack cocaine. And he lost that job and he lost his family. And when he was 41, he would be 54 today, a young man. But when he was 41, I preached his funeral. We had an autopsy done, and the autopsy showed that when he had gone out that night before and bought crack, it was loaded with morphine. And it shut his breathing down. And we found him in his apartment with blood coming out of his eyes. Test your feelings with the word. Test your feelings with godly people. If you say, well, I don't, I don't know. It, it passes the light test and the words for it. Well, it could be a timing thing. Go to somebody who's a little farther down the road that you respect their walk with Jesus and say, I want to submit this decision to you. How do you see it? And see if it passes the godly wisdom test. Let me, let me move to a key word here and let's, let's respond. What do you do? What do you do if, if you've gotten into Esau syndrome? It's just one thing. And it works every time. It's the word repent. Just repent. Here's the blessing about knowing Jesus. Jesus is all about recovery. Jesus is all about rehabilitation. Jesus is all about repair. No matter what has happened, I'm telling you, you can be restored in your identity, you can be restored in your dignity, and you can be restored in your destiny. Now that's a good place to celebrate right there. That offsets the, the damage that seemed to me. If you'll turn to Jesus in repentance, let me... Let me give you an idea, a way to look at this. Think of the prodigal son. He humiliated his dad by taking the inheritance early. In that day, it wasn't going to the bank and getting the son's portion of money. It was selling land and liquidating assets so that the son could have his inheritance. The most humiliating thing. That's why the father ran to him when his son came home because if the village people had gotten to him before the father did, they would have, they would have killed him. But what did the father do? He ran to him. The son had prepared his, his talk. Dad, I'm so sorry. I, I, man, I did it. I did it, and I, I'm, I'm so wrong for it. He, does, he doesn't even get to give his I'm sorry talk. The dad immediately starts talking, not to the son, but to everyone else. And he says, get me a ring. Get me a robe. Get me a brand new pair of shoes. When he gave the son the ring, it says, this is my son. And he has all the rights of sonship. Get a robe. He's dirty and filthy. 
but I'm going to robe him in the garment of the family so that everybody knows this is my son and he is royal to me. Get him shoes. Why? Because he's not going to be confined. Notice, identity, dignity, robe, now destiny. Gave him shoes. The, the son was going to say, just make me an employee and I'll just stay right out in my little spot and do my little job. And the dad gave him shoes so that that son would know, no, you are a son and you are free to go everywhere I send you to be all that I want you to be, to take the steps that are going to be ordered for you. That's the love of the Father. That's the power of grace. We say it in this way. All the Father does as his son returns, he never talks to the son. He just says to those around him, get me the ring, get me the robe, give me the shoes. And you know the calf that we've been fattening up for the party? We, we didn't know when the party would be, but the party is about to start. So get, get everything ready because my son who was dead is alive again. And we are about to celebrate. You know, you could say, why didn't the dad ever talk to the prodigal son? Because he was too busy planning a party. What kind of God is he that he would not deal with me according to my sin? So good that he would restore my rights as a son, your rights as a daughter. That he allow me to be identified not by the sins of my past. Get this. Not by what I've done or what someone's done to me, but by what he has done for me. That will be my identity. The one who knew no sin became sin that I might become the righteousness of God. A glorious exchange. My dignity... Because I'm not identified by my actions. I'm identified by my family, by my father. My kids, they bear my name. They're not the Woods kids because of actions. They're Woods kids because of DNA. You have the DNA of the father. This is amazing. Your destiny, yes. Will there be consequences to deal with? Yes. But he gives you the grace to deal with the consequences and he lets you live in a sense of purpose. No one in this life is taken and said, well, look what you did and you got caught just like Esau did. So, so you are relegated to this little section over here. We'll call it the loser section. So you sit there every time you come to church. You can't do anything. You won't be anything. But... When everything ends, you'll at least be in heaven. But until then, loser. You will never find that in the character and the nature of God. Look at Galatians. He's all about re restoring heritage. He's, he even uses the words birthright and sonship. He uses the language because in Jesus, woo, in Jesus, we all get a double portion. 
Jesus is the firstborn from the dead, and we are all in the family. And we all have a birthright. And it's a double portion. And you get to live in that double portion. Luke said of Jesus, he came looking for those who feel like losers because of their actions so that he could forgive them. Repentance. Repentance. That's our part. Repentance is a change of mind. Imagine that you are in a boat and it has automatic pilot and the boat is going north. But you want to go south. So you go manual and you take the steering wheel and you turn the boat and now you're going south. But the autopilot is still on north. And so the entire time you are just in all the tension of having to force it to do what is unnatural. Here's what we have to get right. When we've been going north in a sinful lifestyle and we repent, repentance is not through my effort and willpower, I'm going to force my life to do what God has called me to do. This is a horrible way to live. Who can do this? No. Repentance is a change of mind. It's such a deep work of God inside of you that the automatic pilot gets shifted to south. And watch this. When you repent, it's a change of mind that delivers you to a process. A process so that you learn to live in the freedom that he has given through forgiving your sins. That you learn to live in the grace. You learn to live in the rhythm of grace. You learn to live in a restored dignity. You overcome the shame and the guilt. And you live in a restored dignity. You overcome all the time you've wasted and opportunity squandered. And you live in the grace, in the destiny that God has. And you are in what we call discipleship. If you look at the back of the bulletin, we're about to offer divorce care because we're all about the process of renewal and repair. Look, it talks about grief share. And if you've lost a loved one, look, you may not have lost a loved one, but you're grieving something. You're grieving the actions of a family member. And you have lost control of your emotions and you're angry and you're bitter not by what you did, what someone else did, and you're so grieving it that the bowl of soup was anger and bitterness. And you could repent of your anger and bitterness, and then you could go to grief share and learn a process to overcome the pain of someone else's choices. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. In my life, if the Lord said, it's your last sermon, you get one more. I would want to look at people and say, the grace of God is more amazing than we could ever describe. Satan is real and he comes with such craftiness and he comes with such organization and specificity that he gets us hung up in such urges and surges that we will give away 
that dignity and integrity and reputation. And for the moment, we'll give away destiny for the bowl of soup. And here's the thing, teenagers, listen, we've all done it. That's what you need to know. We've all done it. The Esau syndrome is something we're just sitting here going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm, yep, yep. Why is this ready? Because we've all done it. No one here is sinless. No one here is someone who can say, well, I never did that. Oh, yes, they did. In some way, there was an appetite that got out of bounds. We've all done it. And there's something bearing witness with my spirit. Grace has just walked right into this room. Grace that is greater than our sin. Grace that is greater than things we've squandered by our rebellion. Grace is greater. Grace is greater. Grace is greater. Grace is greater. Fighting for someone's future right now. You say, God, he seems to be silent. Because he's been preparing a party. He wants to throw a celebration for your return. With your eyes closed, I believe that the atmosphere of your heart is changing. I'm going to ask this team to articulate that through this song. And if you say, yes, that's me. If there's something that you've had to keep in the dark, if there's something that does not pass the word test, if there's something that would not pass the godly wisdom test, if you're at the beginning stages, or you are into it halfway, or it's completely full-blown, I want you to know that grace is here to meet you at every level. Grace is here to start a work. But you just repent. And it's going to be so sincere that the work of Jesus is going to go to the core of your nature. And begin work at the foundation of who you are. Listen to me. Listen, you don't have to be addicted. If you will repent and enter a process like living free, you don't have to be addicted you can be free. You've given up on yourself. You, others may have given up on you. I'm telling you, I haven't given up. Jesus hasn't given up. You can be free. Some of you are in an emotional tailspin. And you've been in it so long. And you've tried everything. You've self-medicated. You've gone to doctors. You've gone to counselors. You've done all of this stuff. But you, you keep coming back around to the same, the same emotional chaos and you just say, I, I'm, I've given up. No, don't give up. I don't give up on you. Jesus doesn't give up on you today. You can come and start a process. You can start a process. Oh, the Esau syndrome is going to have to give way today to grace and freedom and life and power 
and dignity and destiny and identity. If you believe it, clap your hands and say, this is breakthrough for somebody. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Begin to sing. Here's what we're going to do. If you say, Ron, got to have help. If you're willing to repent, willing to be honest, submit and surrender, I'm guaranteeing you that God's grace is available. I'm guaranteeing you that his word will work. I'm guaranteeing you that the process, if you stay surrendered, the process will work. It will work. You know who you are. You know how this, this is finding you now, that there's a liberty at work to break down addiction and strongholds and to lift guilt and remove shame and bring forgiveness just like a waves, waves of grace are coming into this place. As we sing it again, if that is you, I want you to find the nearest aisle and I want you to come to this altar and we will pray. I know there will be a lot of people who will wait on you and let God do the work in your life. Come as they sing. Today's the day of change. Today is the day. It's the day. I know it in my spirit. I know it. I know it. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. tell you there's something in my heart I feel this leading some of you would come down here and you'd pray about the appetite that has gotten so out of control and it's it's worked chaos in your life but here's the deal some of you you that's that's not at the foundation that's the symptom we got to get at what's causing it this would not be in every case but in some cases the way you were treated in your home. You, you weren't raised in a Christian home. And there was darkness in that home. And there was such dysfunction in that home. And Satan came along in your pain. And showed you the bowl of soup. Which has just complicated the problem. And if you come down here and just say, Lord, deliver me from this, but we don't get at the core, then we aren't dealing, we're not dealing with what the real issue is. There's somebody here and, and you got to get beneath, we got to get beneath the life pattern and we got to get to the problem that's creating the pattern. So I know the Holy Spirit is just saying to you, the specifics of what that would be for you. And so I'm telling you, you have to deal with that. That's the reason you circle back to a life pattern because you've never dealt with the problem of how someone crossed you, treated you, spoke to you. It got embedded. It got embedded to the very hard drive of your nature. And it is, it's been having its way of directing your life. God wants to set you free. God wants to work at that level of your life. He wants to fix you at the foundation. He wants to fix you at the foundation. If I'm talking to you, we're going to come back. The atmosphere's changing. It's changing. If that's you, you need to get here. And we need to pray that through today. Let's sing it. Come today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The evidence is all around. That the Spirit of the Lord is here. The atmosphere is changing. For the Spirit of
There's just a mounting of God's deliverance here. I want to make sure everybody has a prayer partner, any of our prayer team. If there's anyone alone, I want you to get to them today. We're going to pray, and we're going to sing this. We're going to go into that part about miracles can happen now. And I want you to envision that turning point. I want you to envision just the Lord just finally, like he's just setting you free. Today is it. Today is your day. Today is the day of salvation in that area of your life. Lord God, I thank you for being greater than our sin. I thank you for being greater than our actions. I thank you, Lord, for being greater than our past mistakes, our past failures. I thank you for being greater than the sins committed against us. I thank you, Jesus, that you're greater than not only the past, but you're greater than the impact of it on my reputation. You're greater, Lord, than how other people would define me. You are the one who gets to define us. You, Lord, are the one who is at work at the core of who we are, and you will order our steps, and you will turn the most miserable seasons into testimony. You will turn, God, the most difficult dark days into days of influence to help somebody else. You, God, are in this place as a spirit of life. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. You haven't made us to be defeated. You've made us to be more than conquerors. We are winning because you have won. We overcome because you overcame. Lord God, we are free because where the spirit of life is, there is that liberty. And we thank you, Jesus. Now come on, everybody, with your hands lifted and with your voices raised. Let's declare it. His miracles. Sing it today.
Come on and praise Him because you know you're free. Praise Him like you know it's a new day. Praise Him like you know the past is not your future. Come on and clap your hands and celebrate. This is the party. You know, we need to, to leave here just celebrating life. It, this is so important. Listen, it, what you've done today is not say, I'm going to go from unbelief to belief. This is about death to life. What The results of sin, it's death, and there's a death process that gets going inside of us. But what's happened, death has once again given away to life. Not, not cause, I'm not saying your heart's beating. I'm saying you're free. You have hope. You have purpose, you have dignity, you have identity, you have destiny. Come on, somebody. You have life. Your double portion blessing, your double portion as a son and a daughter of God is that you have all of these things for life. That's what it is. You have zeal and passion and you're fervent in spirit and you're an encourager because you have the freedom within who you are to be a giver now. Sin makes you a taker. Freedom makes you a giver. Freedom makes you an encourager. Your passion's back. Your passion is back where it belongs. You've got love in your heart now. You've got something that the world could never manufacture. You can't get this in a bottle. This comes from the throne of God's amazing grace. Hallelujah. It's real. It's real. It's real. It's core to who we are. We're going to celebrate. We're going to just we're going to enter the party of worship. We're going to enter the party of the Father who's given grace today. Are you ready? Come on, we're going to sing this like we've never sung it before. Let's go.